Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. It's crunch time, folks. The House is scheduled to begin its six-week summer recess Friday, with the Senate set to leave town a week later. Still on the to-do list? Raising the statutory budget caps for two years to avoid mandatory sequestration and dealing with the debt limit. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. With the long recess looming, we'll be taking a little hiatus from our regular weekly episodes once the House leaves town. We'll be back after Labor Day, but in the meantime, stay tuned to this feed for some special episodes and more we're working on. This week, we're looking at that pre-recess to-do list. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin continued budget talks through the weekend with both sides looking for a deal that would also pave the way for the appropriations process to move forward. BGov budget and appropriations reporter and frequent podcast guest Jack Fitzpatrick has been on top of these talks and he joins us in the studio to give us the latest. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's Monday morning as we record this. Obviously, it's a fluid situation. Talks are still ongoing. Jack, as of this moment when we're recording, where do things stand? Things have been looking pretty good lately, but we don't have a deal as of Monday morning. Uh, We heard at the end of last week that they really had stopped negotiations and finished negotiations on spending levels and debt limit and everything except for potential offsets to cover the cost of that. We still don't know how much they're going to try to cut in spending or raise fees or do any of a variety of things that could cut down on the total cost of increasing the budget caps. So uh, they'll come up with a number eventually, and then there will be a more detailed negotiation over exactly how they cut those costs. But that's where we are now. The, the meat of it has been settled. We don't have details yet, uh, and they're kind of working on the icing on the cake. I don't want to get ahead of myself and say, oh, there's definitely going to be a, a deal because we're on a, a short timeline. But everything we've heard so far has been positive from Pelosi and Mnuchin. Let's um, talk just quickly about the numbers that we're dealing with here. So they're looking to increase the budget cast by around $350 billion. And then, you know, what kind of offsets do we think they want? Yeah, so the $350 billion or so number we can cite because Democrats put out their plan in April, and that added up to an increase of $356 billion over 10 years. Uh, Roughly what they've been talking about for a final deal is probably more for the military than the Democrats had in their plan and less for non-defense, but probably pretty similar numbers. The proposal from the administration for offsets was $150 billion. We don't know yet how successful Pelosi may have been in talking him down from that number. Because Uh, she wanted no offsets was her original position. The proposal from the Democrats didn't have any offsets, but it sounded like they they were open to uh, discussing offsets. Now, the, the offer from the administration was purely spending cuts. It didn't include any gimmicks. It didn't include any fee increases. So the final product, maybe it hits $150 billion, but it's not the most substantive $150 billion. Maybe it's less. There are a lot of options, tens of billions of dollars that they can cover with things that really are not uh, going to 
save money. In, in previous deals, 2015, they did pension smoothing, which really is not seen as a very wise fiscal maneuver, but technically within a 10-year window, it saves you money. There's other things like a one-time sale of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Nothing has been ruled out yet, so that's the conversation that I think as of right now, Monday morning, is probably still going on. And we're going into the the last years of the budget caps in the sequestration deal from 2011, and I know extending that by two years was also one of, part of the White House's offer. Yes, that has come up. I think Democrats and maybe some Republicans would not like to go that route. Definitely Democrats. I mean, asking about budget caps for months, we've heard from Democrats saying, let's get a two-year deal and then we never have to deal with this again. And that was really the, the finish line for them. Uh, so doing a 2020-2021 deal and not including that extension, which technically, yeah, would act as an offset and save a lot of money in a sort of theoretical sense, but really it would just lead to more tough votes on more of these kinds of negotiations to lift those caps. And for anyone who hasn't been knee-deep in this, maybe we could step back for a second and talk about that deal in 2011 that got us to where we are today and, and how they had set up this budget cap process um, because they couldn't come to a broader budget negotiation back then, right? Right. They set up the super committee to try to find longer-term series of, of savings and fiscal responsibility. They didn't come to an agreement, and the law that set up that process set up a punishment that they didn't actually think what would happen, and the punishment was sequestration, which was even lower levels of spending cuts that would occur automatically. And now they're across the board. They affect yes. not just or not just domestic spending, but military spending as well. Yes. That was not even really supposed to uh, be an option. It was kind of the, the axe hanging over their head as they were negotiating something that was supposed to be real. And now for almost a decade, they've been dealing with the sequestration level threat of cuts. But again, no Congress can bind another. They, they don't go through with these cuts. They just have a difficult series of negotiations and hold a vote and need to get it through the House and Senate and get the president to sign on uh, to change the law and raise the caps. And that's a tough, that's leverage for conservatives or leverage for whoever may want to hold this up. But it's generally something that happens. They raise the caps and it's just a, a tougher process process to go through. The other aspect of the ongoing negotiation is the debt ceiling, which analysts have said could be reached as early as early September, not just early October, which was the previous forecast. What is the debt limit and what happens if Congress doesn't raise it? Yeah, speaking of things that are considered a, a done deal but are just a difficult vote to go through, the debt limit is uh, a limit on the debt that is at this point hard to pinpoint. Well, it's it's about $22 trillion, but the Treasury has the ability to move money around almost like I, I explain it like I know that when I pay rent, my building doesn't cash the check until the fifth of the month. So if I ever want to pay rent late, 
I know I don't have to actually turn it in until the fifth of the month. If you imagine that for every payment that the government has to make, they can extend the deadline for months and months and months. We hit the deadline technically in March, and they've been using these so-called extraordinary measures since then. And there's a blurry deadline now that the Bipartisan Policy Center says may hit in early September. It's more likely to be early October. The latter half of September is when a lot of uh, quarterly revenue comes in, so it won't be at the end of September. So it's this kind of complicated issue, but this new uh, estimate from them says there's a risk that this may have to happen early in September, which is right around the time the House and Senate would be getting back from August recess. So that's why they're trying to accomplish this now, because they don't want to miss recess, they don't want to cut it too close, and they don't want to bank on this estimate being wrong and take until October like they originally thought they'd be able to. And if the debt limit isn't increased, then, then the federal we, government defaults on bonds, yes, basically. Yes, we default on payments. It could be a variety of things. It, it hasn't happened. I don't think the U.S. has defaulted on federal payments since sometime around the War of 1812. So the debt limit conversation again, is, is seen as something everyone understands needs to happen. They need to raise or suspend the debt limit, but it's a difficult vote and it can be held up by anyone who wants leverage for anything. In this case, for the first time in a long time, maybe it helps the Democrats because the administration wants the debt limit increase and the Democrats can say, okay, fine, but let's do the CAPS deal now. And that's why we're having this joint conversation about budget and debt limit. And it's reported, or you reported, that they're looking at a, about a two-year suspension of the debt limits. So they don't have to deal with this again until after the election. Yes, there's been conversations about a two-year deal for both of these for all sorts of reasons. The, the two-year budget cap deal, because that gets them through the end of the budget caps. The debt limit, uh, at least two years. It's been mentioned maybe two and a half, but two years would get them past the presidential election. A one-year deal would put them right back where we are now shortly before the presidential election, which I, I don't think Trump would want, I don't think any Republicans would want, and it would probably lead to some bad governance because that's not when you want to have tough deadlines. And so these two issues are coming together just because the deadlines happen to be set around the same time in the past or, you know, coming up together at the same time? Yes. They could wait longer for the budget caps, but as I mentioned, the debt limit is such a, a piece of leverage that the Democrats have said, we're going to just do both of these at the same time. And a lot of Republicans are fine with that because they want a two-year deal on both. Uh, there are going to be deadlines later in the year. They'll need to fund the government with appropriations, which is different than budget caps. They'll need to do at least a stopgap to avoid a shutdown. They haven't totally given up hope of passing some appropriations bills into law. That's a, a short time frame. But there's a, a end of September deadline to pass, must pass legislation. And technically, the sequestration deadline when those automatic spending cuts would kick in, if there were no budget caps deal, would be in January. But overall, they want to get this sort of big top line stuff done, debt limit and budget caps. In September, they'll see what they can do on appropriations, at least avoid a shutdown, and then uh, head into the next year with a sort of clean slate. Let's look at the, the appropriations process a little bit more closely. Best case scenario, an announcement happens as soon as we finish recording this. Yeah. It's not the best case for our show, but <laughs> best case for, for the story, I guess. A deal is announced on both the debt limit and the budget caps as early as today. What happens then? 
The House has already passed 10 of its 12 appropriations bills. If there were a deal on budget caps that serves as a budget framework for the top line numbers, the Senate, which has been waiting for that so that their appropriations bills can be realistic because they would be built to that top line number, would start drafting their bills. Actually, the, the portions they can draft without having the numbers in there, a lot of that they've already started work on. But they do have, have the staff do a lot of work over the August recess and then come back and try to do some markups as soon as possible. Richard Shelby, the chairman of the Appropriations Committee in the Senate, said that Mitch McConnell told him he'd want him to get working on markups, but there was no promise yet of floor votes. But his hope, Shelby's hope, is to pass something. And ideally, I'm sure he would like to do a big package that includes the, the biggest ones, Defense and Labor H, or something like that. There's been no official plan laid out yet, but it would be tough to pass that much. We'd have to see how quickly they could mark up, and then they'd have to make a tough decision of, do we have any time to pass appropriations bills instead of just a stopgap? And just to put that all in context, I mean, they haven't really passed many appropriations bills before September 30th in a long time anyway. We're used to seeing CRs that carry us into even halfway through the fiscal year before, you know, new funding is, is appropriated. We're used to seeing at least partial CRs, although last year they had some real success because they had the top lines set earlier and they, they are fans, the appropriators, of their tactic of attaching the defense spending bill and the labor HHS education bill. That's the biggest bill in defense and then the biggest non-defense bill in the labor H bill. And those add up to almost three quarters or somewhere around three quarters of federal discretionary spending. Last year they managed to pass that package and uh, much less of the government was affected by the uncertainty of a continuing resolution. And that's something we're hearing a lot from Republicans is they would take a caps deal that's maybe a lower number than they'd ideally like if they think they can rely on a CR for a shorter period of time or not even rely on one at all because CRs lead to a lot of uncertainty. It's a not, it's a, it's not a good way of governing and so uh, Republicans would love to see a defense bill passed as fast as possible even if they have to give up uh, a little money on the caps deal for that. Yeah, I know continuing resolutions also prevent some uh, new starts on contracts and, and right. different items that are a huge part of the defense budget. Yeah. So you mentioned that Senate staff is going to be working during the August recess to, to draft these bills. Is there any chance Senate and House staff and appropriators get together and start kind of pre-conferencing so they can get the appropriations process moving even faster come September, assuming we do have the numbers before the, the House leaves town? That's a good question. We don't really have intel on what the House is going to do if there's a budget caps deal because they did their bills to their own made-up numbers in order to get moving on their appropriations bills. There would be a reality check and they'd have to consider if it's a lower non-defense number than they marked up to what they would have to cut or how they would have to, to address that, maybe with some special overseas contingency operations, funds for the State Department or something like that. But they, they'd have to start thinking about their adjustments. I, it may be tough to do pre-conference activity with the Senate considering the Senate wouldn't have marked up any of its bills and it's, it's tough to know how much 
support they're going to have for bills that don't exist yet. But the, the Senate would start racing to do its bills. The House, at the very least, would have kind of a reality check where they have to mentally reconcile their bills with the reality of whatever new top line they set. Jack Fitzpatrick is Bloomberg Government's budget and appropriations reporter. Find all his work on bgov.com and follow him on Twitter at JackFitzDC. That's it for this episode. As was said at the top of the show, our regular episodes will be on hiatus until after the summer recess, but do stay tuned to this feed for special episodes during our time away. We'll talk to you in September. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And Is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.